Well, good morning again. So uh, we are on lesson 16, page 205 in the notes. Um, in the last couple of weeks, we were dealing with some misunderstandings that uh, Muslims have often. Um, and today we're going to begin um, looking specifically at, at, at misunderstandings they have about uh, the Bible and then later other elements of, of doctrine. Um, and so today we're going to begin looking at uh, Muslim claims about the Bible. And to do that, I wanted to point out that um, Muslims, whether they understand it or not, um, have a dilemma straight from the Quran itself. And that dilemma arises because the Quran claims that the Bible is part of God's revelation. It's from God. And they must believe it as true. But the, the other side of the coin is that the Quran in many significant ways, contradicts the teaching of the Bible. And you can't have it both ways, right? So they've got a dilemma there that, that um, we're going to look at in more detail today. But it may be helpful for you when you're interacting with your Muslim friends uh, at some point to get them to realize that there's a dilemma here. And in order for them to understand that there's a dilemma, you'll be able to take them to Scripture to, to see what the Scripture actually says. And uh, so I hope this will be a helpful resource for you. Okay, so the first part of that is the Quran's support of the Bible and its claim that the Bible is, is from God and needs to be um, obeyed. So I'm on page 205. I'm going to read several of these passages from the Quran just to give you a flavor of this position that's in the Quran. So from Surah 2, there are several examples here. Remember, Surah 2 is the one that goes on forever. It's, it's really, really long. Um, so at the beginning one here from verse 40, O children of Israel, so here the, here's the Quran speaking to Jews, right? O children of Israel, call to mind the special favor which I bestowed upon you. This is purportedly Allah speaking to the Jews. And fulfill your covenant with me as I fulfill my covenant with you. And fear none but me. And believe in what I reveal. That is the Quran. Uh, confirming the revelation which is with you. In other words, the Old Testament that they already have. And be not the first to reject faith therein, nor sell my signs for a small price, and fear me and me alone, me alone. And cover not truth with falsehood, nor conceal the truth when you know what it is. That, by the way, ought to be convicting to Muslims who come to realize that they have... Um, um, covered the truth with falsehood, <laughs> right? There's a bit of irony there. Verse 43, and be steadfast in prayer, practice regular charity, 
bow down your heads with those who bow down in worship. Uh, so here it's saying that these Jews ought to, in order to be faithful to Allah, they need to basically become Muslims, is what it's saying. Do you enjoin right conduct on the people and not forget to pr- practice it yourselves? And yet you study the scripture? It's referring to the, the Old Testament. Will you not understand? Nay, seek God's help with patient perseverance and prayer. It is indeed hard, except to those who bring a lowly spirit, who bear in mind the certainty that they are to meet their Lord and that they are to return to him. Children of Israel, call to mind the special favor which I bestowed upon you and that I preferred you to all others for my message. Later in that, sir, verse 53. And remember, we gave Moses the scripture and the criterion between right and wrong, and there was a chance for you to be guided aright. In verse 62, those who believe in the Quran and those who follow the Jewish scriptures and the Christians and the Sabaeans, any who believe in God in the last day and work righteousness shall have their reward with their Lord, and on them shall be no fear, nor shall they grieve. Surah 4, uh, 163. We have sent you inspiration as we sent it to Noah and the messengers after him. We sent inspiration to Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, Jacob, and the tribes, to Jesus, Job, Jonah, Aaron, Solomon, and to David we gave the Psalms. Of some messengers we have already told you the story, of others we have not, and to Moses God spoke direct. Messengers who gave good news as well as warning that mankind after uh, the coming of the messengers should have no plea against God, for God is exalted in power wise. And so here, again, when it's referring to messengers, it's referring to prophets, messengers from God. Um, Let's look down here in uh, Surah 5. But why do they come to you for a decision when they have their own law before them? It's referring to the Jews. Therein is the plain command of God. Yet even after that, they would turn away. For they are not really people of faith. It was we who revealed the law to Moses. Therein was guidance and light. By its standard have been judged the Jews. By the prophets who bowed, as in Islam, to God's will. um, By the rabbis and doctors of the law. For to them was entrusted the protection of God's book. And then it goes on, but skip down to, say, verse 46. And in their footsteps we sent Jesus, the son of Mary, confirming the law that had come before him. We sent him the gospel. Therein was guidance and light and confirmation of the law that had come before him, a guidance and an admonition to those who fear God. Let the people of the gospel judge. Be, uh, let the people of the gospel judge by what God has revealed therein. And then, on the next page, 
in Surah 5, starting in verse 68. O people of the book, and here that's a common phrase in the Quran referring to um, both Jews and Christians, sometimes only the Jews, but often both Jews and Christians. O people of the book, you have no ground to stand upon unless you stand fast by the law, the gospel, and all the revelation that has come to you from your Lord. It is the revelation that comes to you from your Lord. And so on. Um, And look, for example, um, Surah 10, 94. If you, and he's speaking directly to Muhammad here, if you were in doubt as to what we have revealed unto you, then ask those who have been reading the book from before you the truth that has indeed come to you from your Lord. So be in no wise of those in doubt. And Surah 16. And before you also the messengers we sent were but men to whom we granted inspiration. If you realize this not, ask those who possess the message. We sent them with clear signs and scriptures. And uh, from Surah 21, similar thing, it's a pick up in verse 7. Before you also, the messengers we sent were but men to whom we granted inspiration. If you realize this not, ask of those who possess the message. So, uh, Muslims are advised, and even Muhammad was advised, to confirm or to, to, to check with the people of the book, that is, the, the Jews and the Christians that all these things fit together. They're, they're all from the same source. They're, um, it's, it's verification that this revelation coming to Muhammad is genuine. That's the position of the Quran. So the second thing the, um, the Quran teaches is that Muslims are to believe and obey all previous Revelations. I mean, that's the 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 presumption here is that they're all from the same source, so you have to believe uh, all those previous revelations. Uh, look at the second one there from uh, Surah two, verse one thirty six. Uh, say this: We believe in God and the revelation given to us and to Abraham and Ishmael and Isaac and Jacob and the tribes, and that what was given to Moses and Jesus, and that given to all the prophets from the Lord, we make no difference between one and another of them. Okay? And then go down to um, the last one there from Surah 29. And dispute you not with the people of the book, except with means better than mere disputation, unless it be with those of of them who inflict wrong and injury, but say, we believe in the revelation which has come down to us and, and in that which came down to you. Our God and your God are one, and it is to him we bow in Islam. So um, the 
position of the Quran is that um, Jews, Christians are to believe their scriptures and, and, uh, and also to be consistent, they need to believe the Quran. That's, it's all from one source. That's the position. Uh, the third claim here is, and um, the third and the fourth actually, kind of bring the, this to its logical conclusion. And the third one is that the penalty for disobeying and not believing the scriptures is severe even for Muslims. So look at Surah 4, for example, verse 150. Those who deny God and his messengers and those who wish to separate God from his messengers, saying, we believe in some but reject others, and those who wish to take a course midway, they are in truth equally unbelievers. And we have prepared for unbelievers a humiliating punishment. This is now... um, supposedly Allah speaking to, um, I guess, through Gabriel to Muhammad. And then he says in verse 152, to those who believe in God and his messengers and make no distinction between any of the messengers, we soon shall give their due rewards, for God is oft forgiving, most merciful. Then in uh, Surah 40, those who reject the book and the revelations with which we sent our messengers, but soon they shall know when the yokes shall be around their necks and the chains, they shall be dragged along um, in the boiling fetid fluid, then in the fire they shall be burned. Uh, Then it shall be said to them, where are the deities to which you gave part worship in derogation of God? And they will reply, They have left us in the lurch. Nay, we invoke not of old anything but that had real existence. Thus does God lead the unbelievers to stray. That was because you were wont to rejoice uh, on the earth and in things other than the truth, uh, and that you were wont to be insolent. Enter ye the gates of hell, do not... Uh, to dwell therein, and evil is this abode of the arrogant. So what it's saying is that um, there, this previous revelation was all part of, of God's continuous revelation, including the Quran, and um, many were those who disbelieved it, disobeyed it, and um, this is a warning to them that... Um, that's going to lead them to hell. Yeah. Um, the we, let, let's look at, you're at Sarah 40. Yeah, well, take, take Surah 40, verse 70, right at the beginning there. 
those who reject the book and the revelations with which we sent our messengers, that we is a law. Right there it is, yeah. Um, but in verse uh, 74, in derogation of God, a God they will reply, um, they have left us in the lurch. Nay, we have invoked not. It, it, these are the, the unbelievers, who, the Quran is saying the, these unbelieving Jews and perhaps even Christians, that we, you just see in the context, are those who are being accused by this verse. So, um, up in verse Surah 40, verse 150, those who deny God and his messengers and those who wish to separate God from his messengers saying, we believe in some but reject others, that we, and it says specifically who this is, this is the unbelievers, right? We believe in some but not others. But frequently, in fact, almost always in the Quran, Allah refers to himself as to what he has done in the plural, we, which is rather ironic because the worst sin of all in Islam is to uh, think of God as more than one, right? And so my conclusion is that this is just the royal we, that particularly in English, but I think it's probably plural in the Arabic as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, we see that in, in, in the Bible as well, and I'm guessing that's partly why that format is here. Yeah. Let us make God in our image. That's that may be speaking of the Trinity, um, but it may also be partly this royal we. Right. 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 Yeah, these, these are claims that um, um, I'm summarizing, in this case, from the Quran. Yeah. Okay. Um, claim number four. We haven't gotten there yet, right? The thought here is that many Jews and Christians are rebuked for departing from their own scriptures, and they're rebuked because those scriptures are truth. That's why they're being rebuked. And so here in uh, Surah 2, again, verse 40, O children of Israel, call to mind the special favor which I bestowed upon you, and fulfill your covenant with me as I fulfill my covenant with you, and fear none but me, and believe in what I reveal, confirming the revelation which is with you, and be not the first to reject faith therein. We've read this before. Uh, nor sell my signs for a price. Verse 42. And cover not truth with falsehood, nor conceal truth when you know what it is. So the rebuke here is for um, the many who even by... 
um, Muhammad's analysis and probably almost everybody else, the Jews had not uh, believed or obeyed um, the scriptures. And so this is a rebuke from the Quran to them. Uh, look down at uh, Surah 4, verse 46. Of the Jews, there are those who displace words from the right places and say, we hear and we disobey. And hear what is not heard. And so on. Uh, Surah 5, verse 65. If only the people of the book had believed and been righteous, we should indeed have blotted out their iniquities and admitted them to gardens of bliss. If only they had stood fast by the law, the gospel, and the revelation that was sent to them from their Lord, they would have enjoyed happiness from every side. There is from among them a party of the, on the right course, but many of them follow on a course that is evil. And then, lastly in Surah 5, verse 78, Curses are pronounced on those among the children of Israel who rejected faith by the tongue of David and of Jesus, son of Mary, because they disobeyed and persisted in excesses. So there's a sense in which, in which these rebukes are well-founded based on actual historical truth, right? But what is it saying? That they disobeyed what was right, what was true, they should have followed, they should have believed, right? And so it's, the implication is that the message they were given uh, was correct, was right. And the claim is that that's all part of Allah's um, continuous, if you will, revelation, culminating in the revelation to Muhammad. Okay? Yeah, um, good question. So the word gospel comes up here multiple times, particularly for um, when speaking against Christians who disbelieve and whatever. You've got to understand that um, as far as the Quran is concerned and uh, Muslim thinking, what they mean by the gospel, what the Quran means by the gospel, is supposedly the message that... Jesus was given from God to speak to people, and that that message um, was much like the message that was given to uh, Muhammad, and that message was, let's get back to basics, people. You've been given the revelation. You've strayed from it. Let's turn to God. Let's um, submit to him. In the Muslim mind, the, the message of the gospel is the same as the, mus, the message of Muhammad. Submit to God. Right? That, and so when you tell them, actually, there are four gospels in the New Testament, they'll say, huh? <laughs> they wouldn't understand that uh, there are four gospels and that the gospel, the message of salvation, is not at all. Well, there are some similarities. Getting right with God is a whole point. 
right? But um, the, the, the claim of the Quran is that that's also the message of Abraham. Submit to God, follow his example. Uh, Abraham was the first Muslim in that sense, that, they're, that they would say. Um, and, and he called, he and then Moses and then Jesus, they're all calling people to submit to Allah, to God. Um, it's all part of the same message. And they have no concept of what the New Testament actually says, or even what the Old Testament actually says. And we're going to talk um, extensively about some of those confusions and point out um, uh, excellent things to show them in the scriptures to help them see that, that the gospel, injil is the, the um, Arabic term, um, it's not what they think it is. But you can say to them, you know, the, the, the Quran, of course, um, speaks of the injil of Jesus. Let's go to the Gospels and see, examine the life and the words of Jesus. And so it's kind of an open door to talk about what the Gospel really is. Right. So, yeah, but that, that is a, a huge area of confusion, which which is interesting because um, much that is in the Quran, when it touches on things that are uh, previously revealed in Scripture, and we've seen some of these things already, uh, where there are historical inaccuracies and this kind of thing, it just it baffles the mind that. Um, you know, the the Quran could be compiled and make claims about previous writings that um, are are subject to scrutiny. You know, this this is the Quran says this about those events and those people and those teachings, and if you actually look at what those uh, scriptures say they don't match up, right? It's, it's, it's the obvious thing. And we're going to talk about that next week. But I just want to lay out here the dilemma that they're in, first of all. Okay. Was there another hand? Roger, you had it? Was that yeah, your? That is exactly my question. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. Good. Um, okay. So, um, it's just striking how much uh, credibility in the Quran is given to the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. But it's also clear that the Quran is diametrically opposed to key teachings of the Bible. And that puts them in a dilemma. So we've touched on some of these things, and we're going to go into more depth even later, but I just want to survey some of these in, I think, three or four main points. The first one, of course, is the deity of Christ, just absolutely foundational, right? So uh, I'm on page 208. Uh, 
So look at Surah 4, verse 171. Oh, people of the book. Who's it talking to? Well, in this case, mostly it's talking to Christians. Oh, people of the book, commit no excesses in your religion, nor say of God aught but the truth. Christ Jesus is the son of Mary, or Christ Jesus, the son of Mary, was no more than a messenger of God. And it's interesting, it says, his word. I think it, it, it can be taken as a messenger of his word. But it's interesting that Jesus in Scripture is actually also called the Word, right? Because he's the ultimate messenger from God. Um, I just copied those verbatim. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't change any of that. I didn't have time. I just copied and pasted. <laughs> right. um, but then later in that, that, that same verse, uh, the, the advice to, to Christians particularly is, say not Trinity, desist. It will be better for you. For God is one God, glory be to him, far exalted as he, above having a son. Right, And then in Surah 5, starting in verse 72, they do blaspheme who say Christ is the son of Mary. But said Christ, and now it's, this is putting words in Jesus' mouth, O children of Israel, worship God, my Lord and your Lord. Whoever joins other gods with God, God will forgive, forbid him the garden, that is, paradise. And the fire will also be his abode. Verse 73, they do blaspheme who say God is of one in a trinity. Verse 75, Christ, the son of Mary, was no more than a messenger. Many were the messengers that passed away before him. Um, and in verse 76, will you worship besides God something which has no power either to harm or benefit you? Verse 77. O people of the book, exceed not in your religion the bounds of what is proper, tre uh, trespassing beyond the truth, nor follow the vain desires of the people who went wrong in times gone by. Now, by the way, you'll notice here that often Jesus is referred to as Christ. Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ. Now, you and I know that that wasn't his family name. It's a title, and it has meaning. Messiah, right? The anointed one of God. They don't understand that. But they're free to use the word Christ, and so that's an open door to talk about what that word means, what that title is. That's quite a claim, and the Quran is using that name for Christ. So that's an open door to talk. I'm not I'm not sure about the Arabic. Um, I don't know um, anything about the original. 
and it's possible that the English translator might have added the word Christ because it was so common, Jesus and Christ. It, it just, it's, it's just used as a name. Um, so I don't, I don't really know the answer to that question. But um, um, there's a good chance whoever you're talking with doesn't know Arabic either. Right. Um, so, yeah. Well, they would say he, he was just a, anointed as a prophet. Because they're all the same. Right. But we understand, though, it's, it's a messianic term. And having all that, that history from the Old Testament uh, pointing to Christ and his work. And we're going to talk more about that uh, in a future week. Okay, um, I'm toward the bottom of page 209. Again, the left-hand side is what the Quran teaches. I've provided uh, verses from the scriptures here that speak, obviously, the exact opposite, that Christ is God. Um, but I think you know most of those, and... I've provided them here for completeness. Um, but look at Surah 516, toward the bottom of page 209. And behold, God will say, Oh, Jesus, son of Mary, did you say unto men, Worship me and my mother as gods in derogation of God? Now you notice it's saying, me and my mother. Where are they getting this my mother stuff from? Catholics, even by the time of 600 or so A.D., um, and he, Jesus, will say, glory to thee. Never could I have said what I had no right to say. And so the Quran is saying that Jesus denied that anybody should be worshiping him. Um, what's that? Yeah. Surah 9. Um, the Jews call Uzair a son of God, and the Christians call Christ, the Son of God, this is a saying from their mouth. In this, they but imitate what the unbelievers of old used to say, God's curse be on them, how they are deluded away from the truth. Um, and so, clearly, uh, they don't probably have to be very uh, educated in the teachings of Islam, your 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 Muslim friends, to have ingrained in them that there's only one God, Allah, and um, the, the, the idea, the concept of a trinity is just um, nonsense. And therefore, Jesus couldn't be God. That would be equating him with God, and that's the worst sin of all, to equate anything, anybody, with Allah. So they probably are well-versed in that concept. They might not be able to point to chapter and verse in the Quran to prove it, but it's there. Um, and, well, we just went through some of them. But, of course, that is at direct odds with Scripture, right? And um, I've just given you only a, a smattering of those here. 
Okay, so turn to page 211, and our second point of doctrine that kind of flows from the first, where there's direct opposition, is on the substitutionary death of Christ on the cross. Again, very fundamental, right? In terms of doctrine. Well, look at the second one there, page 211 from Surah 4. Uh, and the context here is he's talking about unbelieving Jews, said in boast, we killed Christ, Jesus, the son of Mary, the messenger of God. But they killed him not, nor crucified him, but so it was made to appear to them. And those who differ therein are full of doubts, with no certain knowledge, but only conjecture follow, for of a surety they killed him not. Now, this is one of the places where it's very clear that Satan's fingerprints are all over the Quran, right? Um, Jesus was not crucified. Um, um, and and um, this, this claim that so it was made to appear to them has had multiple interpretations or proposed explanations by various Muslim camps, and there's no unified explanation of what that really means, but the, the point of it, they all agree on, that he wasn't crucified, it was, it was um, somehow made to look like he was, and so some people explain uh, somebody else who was substituted at the last minute or um, whatever. And, and by the way, they will claim that that deception, it was an intentional deception um, uh, by Allah, deceiving the unbelieving Jews and, um, and therefore... Um, the early Christians were deceived, and the whole thing is is a mess. I have a yeah. Yes. So they believe in the ascension of Christ, not the crucifixion and death. No, it's the ascension. Good question. Um, well, I've included some of the commentary here from that same English translation, which is the most respected among Muslims of English translations, by the way. And I'll let you read um, those comments. But I've also provided numerous uh, Old Testament and New Testament uh, passages that not only foretell the crucifixion of Christ, but also document it from eyewitnesses. And, um, and so uh, the Old Testament predicted that the Messiah would die by crucifixion in payment for our sins. And so the descriptions in, in Psalm 22, for example, of, of crucifixion... Um, 
certainly in hindsight, as we understand crucifixion, we read Psalm 22 and wow, you know, that's, that's a pretty accurate uh, description. And then the substitutionary nature of his sacrifice clearly are, are uh, central to Isaiah 53. And then, of course, Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, in Luke 24, I'm on page 212, Jesus said, Now, uh, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. He's talking to his disciples. And all the things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So the law, the prophet, the Psalms, the three categories of books in the Old Testament, the Tanakh, um, all of them, Jesus said, speak of me and must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Which scriptures? The only ones they had, the Old Testament, right? And he said to them, thus, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. So um, it was foretold and it was fulfilled. And then the second category here is that Jesus had indicated beforehand that he would be crucified. And it's striking when you work through the, the Gospels to see uh, how often he told them he was going to be delivered over and um, be, and multiple times he was explicit, he's going to be crucified. You'd think that they would be asking questions and be prepared and whatever, but right over their head all the time. Uh, but thankfully, it's, it's recorded. Uh, it came back to them by the ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, after the fact and documented all those, those accounts, or at least some of them. Yeah. If they know Arabic, they would definitely be using the Arabic. If they don't know Arabic, they would... Um, revere the Arabic version of it and maybe memorize some of it in Arabic even though they don't understand what it says. Um, whether they would have access to and rely on an, a translation in their own language, I don't know. Um, but there are plenty of people who have memorized the entire Quran in Arabic who don't know a word of Arabic. Well, if your eternal destiny, if your eternal destiny depends on it, why not? Yeah. <laughs> a chapter of the Bible a month. Yeah. And even at my age, I haven't gotten there. Even if I had kept it up, you never tried it in Arabic, though, did you? <laughs> yeah. It seems I just as we go through this, it seems like it's in the almost an impossible task to get together with someone and show them the Bible and what they have. Yeah, that's, and on. it should, 
But that's only because we are um, weak vessels, but um, God works in people's hearts. Um, for what it's worth, complete aside here, um, in 1970, there was a film that came out, some of you may have heard of it, called The Cross and the Switchblade. Yeah. Anybody hear that or watch it? Um, I had heard of it. I heard about um, um, David Wilkerson and, and Teen Challenge and all that stuff when I was growing up. Um, actually, I got saved that same year, 1970. Um, but I never saw the film. Well, I got a, I got a, a um, I'm on so many mailing lists, but I got a, a, an offer to live stream at my convenience the whole movie, The Cross and the Switchblade. I had never seen it. That would be encouraging. It's also kind of challenging. Um, but I raise that because Here's this, this pastor from Pennsylvania goes into um, the, the slums of New York City with a heart to reach um, gangs. I'm not sure if it was his original intent, but it just became obvious that these gangs were, and multiple gangs at war with each other and everything, sort of like West Side Story, you know. Um, and... Um, he was convinced that God could overcome that. And so he preached. And uh, he, he showed compassion. And he bravely um, endured their ridicule and threats against his life and all this sort of thing. Um, but God miraculously worked through him. I mean, he was nobody. But God opened the hearts of several of the leaders of these gangs and then multiple others came to Christ, came off drugs and so on. Um, that's nothing we could do, but God can. It's the same thing here. It's nothing we can do, but God can. And he can do it by himself, but he would even be glorified more if he could use the likes of us to do it, yeah. to work through and do it. Okay. On page, um, so I, uh, I just covered on page uh, 212, Jesus indicated beforehand that he would be crucified in our place. And then on 213, various verses here where um, at Pentecost, just at 10 days after he ascended into heaven, Jesus' eyewitness apostles devoted their lives to proclaiming his death and resurrection on our behalf. So these cowards at the time of the crucifixion were turned into very bold proclaimers of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, particularly the resurrection. And... Um, um, it's just, it's, well, you, you know that story. Okay, page 214. A third area of doctrinal, very fundamental doctrinal difference, and it, again, it flows from these other two, is on the role of good works in salvation. And we've touched on this a little bit, 
But I've included a lot of those same verses here again on the left-hand side, what the Quran teaches. Um, take, for example, um, Surah 7, the second one down. Um, then shall we question those to whom our message was sent and those by whom we sent it. And the we here, Brian, is Allah speaking. And verily, we shall recount their whole story with knowledge, for we were never absent at any time or place. That is, we saw everything, and we're going to hold these people to account. Verse 8, the balance that day will be true to nicety. It's a lovely way to put it. Those whose scale of good will be heavy will prosper, and those whose scale will be light will, um, will be their souls in perdition for they wrongfully treated our signs. And by the way, the signs referred to in the Quran refer almost exclusively, if not 100%, to the Quran itself. That's the sign. Uh, Surah 16, verse 97. Whoever works righteousness, man or woman, and has faith, verily to him we will give a new life a life that is good and pure, we will bestow on such their reward according to their best actions. Surah 18, whoever believes and works righteousness, he shall have a goodly reward, and easy will be his task, and so on. Um, go over to the next page, Surah 21, verse 94. Whoever works any act of righteousness and has faith, his endeavor will not be rejected. We shall reward it in his favor. And then down Surah 40, verse 40. He that works evil will not be requited, but the like thereof. And he that works a righteous deed, whether man or woman, and is a believer, will enter the garden of bliss, that is paradise. Therein they will have abundance without measure. And down at the bottom, Surah 101, particularly verse 6. He whose balance of good deeds will be found heavy will be in a life of good pleasure and satisfaction, but he whose balance of good deeds will be found light will have his home in a bottomless pit. And what will explain to you what this is? It is a fire blazing fiercely. Um, and of course, Scripture makes it clear. Now, actually, I've only included New Testament verses here. Um, but in my next edition of this, I'm going to put some Old Testament passages in here as well. Um, the gospel has always been the same. By grace, through faith. Right? And it's not an invention of the New Testament or of Christ. It's always been by grace, through faith. Uh, but... I've included a lot of the verses that you know here from uh, the New Testament that make it clear that we are not saved by works. But rather, works are the result of salvation. And uh, one passage I really like, the bottom of page 215 from Philippians 3. Paul writes, More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, 
so that I may gain Christ and, listen to this, be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. What righteousness is it that comes from God? The righteousness of Christ, he's saying. Right? So our sins were transferred to Christ. His righteousness, his perfections, his works imputed to us. The great exchange. Um, and so um, you know, the, 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 and this is maybe this will be on the final exam, by the way. Um, what would you say if I were to say salvation is by works? You would say, Ixnay, nope, that doesn't work. That's wrong, that's unbiblical. Well, you know, um, go to uh, Revelation 20. Toward the end of Revelation, the very end of Revelation 20, it speaks of the great white throne judgment that unbelievers will face before God. And it says they're going to be judged by what? Their works, their deeds. So damnation is by works. Why is it that we are not among them? It's because we're in Christ, right? Uh, and because we're in Christ, God looks at us and we're righteous. We have the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. It's on our account. So how do we receive that? Well, through repentance and faith. It's of no merit of our own, that's for sure. But God is just to judge everyone according to their deeds. And when he judges us according to our deeds, he sees the righteousness of Christ. When he sees unbelievers, he's just in condemning them because their righteousness is like filthy rags. Right? So how do we appropriate salvation? By grace through faith. But God is very concerned that sin be paid for. And of course, he paid for our sins on the cross. Right? Um, and we can stand before God um, our position is that we're perfectly righteous. We can be called holy ones, saints, right? Um, but in our experience, we're still dealing with sin. We're still shedding sin and putting on righteousness as a progressive um, sanctification. Scripture also refers to those who have been um, um, sanctified. There's an element in which scripture is very clear, multiple passages, that sanctification has already happened. There's a positional sanctification, which is why we, we can be called holy, holy ones, saints. Uh, but most of the times it refers to sanctification. It's referring to, uh, I, I call it 
holification, becoming holy, um, so our, our experience matches our position, right? Uh, but both are true. We're holy positionally, and we're becoming more holy in our experience. Sanctification, holification. Um, so if we're in Christ, we, we don't go to that great white throne judgment. Right. But those who go through it are judged on what they have done. Yes. Does that mean that that would say to me then that there is a, a difference in the punishment I go through depending on what I had done? Right. So in our case, that punishment was paid. I changed my sin for God's righteousness, Jesus' righteousness. Right. Right. So, but in every case, those sins are paid for, either by Christ, for those who are in Christ, or by the people themselves. And so if we, if, if, uh, we don't respond to God's, um, uh, God's salvation, his call to repentance, then um, we're going to be at the great white throne. And you notice it, it doesn't say there in Revelation 20 that um, uh, some were thrown into hell and others weren't. Every single one there is judged by their deeds and sent to the fire. Brian, you had a It's exactly it. Yep. That's exactly right. And a good place to take them would be Ephesians 2. I was thinking, James, you know, uh, faith without works is dead. Yes, is right. That, well, it, before you do that, though, I, I, would, I would go to Ephesians 2. I will. Where, as long as I understand where, what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, um, verses 8 and 9 we quote all the time, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith and not, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. But the very next verse, verse 10, says, and we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we should walk in them. So it's the result of salvation, not the cause of salvation. Then you can bring out James and say, it, it, this is, it's consistent here. So you're saying I could be so close to saying the right thing and not go to verse 10. And... Yeah, verse 10 would be key in that discussion. Yeah. Was there another? Yes.
Yes, and his word. So one of the things we're going to do in, um, in the weeks ahead as we um, work through areas of doctrine, these key ones that we've talked about that they're struggling with, they have misconceptions about, take them to the word, help them see what it's actually saying, and get to the point where they see that um, there's really, not only did, did the Old Testament um, foretell it and everything, but there's really no alternative. Either God took upon himself um, the punishment for our sins, or we're going to have to, because he's holy. He's perfectly holy. And we've got to work through, you know, why was Christ born of a virgin? They believe he was born of a virgin, why did he have to be born of a virgin? They'll say, I don't know, other than it's a testimony of Allah's greatness or whatever. But it was necessary that he not have a sin nature, right? Um, and you can just take them through all that, the, the very areas of doctrinal confusion that they have, and you can, it, it can be very evangelistic. So um, next week we're going to, pick up where we left off and and you know the, the obvious the obvious response that most Muslims would make when you point out these areas of, of um, difference between scripture and the Quran they will say oh well that's because the scriptures have been corrupted and and they can't be trusted ah but we have answers for you next week. Okay? Let's pray.